Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B by any means possible. Could be a freelance, could be a side gig, could be an investor, starting an entrepreneurship business, anything possible. And we are going to have a fantastic show where I'm going to be interviewing somebody who is an investor as well as property manager. She's going to share with us how we can become a property manager and manage other people's properties, make them money and make money for ourselves, provide good quality housing for people, and do it well so we can be successfully unemployed. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. What's up, guys? Super pumped to have you here on the show with me. And today, I am so excited to bring on a fantastic expert. And this expert has a business of something that I actually enjoy hiring somebody to do this aspect of my business for me. Now, I hate paying money out in general. I hate spending money or paying money out at all but there are two people that I absolutely love to spend money or pay money and have them do work for me. Number one is my accountant. My accountant is so fantastic. He does literally what would take me a year of my life to do. It takes him like three hours because he's smart. He knows what he's doing and he does it all the time. So I pay my accountant so I don't have to waste my life learning and doing because I... Numbers are not my friend. They go in my brain and they literally evaporate or disappear out of my brain. So I hire my accountant. The second person that I absolutely love to pay is my property manager. Now, I will take this back and say, I don't actually pay my property manager. My tenants pay for my property manager. Just like my tenants pay my mortgage, I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for repairs on any of my rental properties. My tenants do that. They pay that. And also, I get a question from lots of my students who I coach how to invest in real estate. They say, well, Dustin, how do you afford a property manager? I said, well, I don't. I don't have to get a job to get a property manager. And what I do is I make sure that property management expense is inside that business, that property that I buy before I buy the property. So I know the tenants will be paying for those property managers, not me. I don't got to get a job to make sure I'm paying the property manager. No, I hire them and I make sure that the tenants rent covers the property manager. Now, this property manager, I absolutely am so pumped to bring she on. She's fantastic. She Just from talking to her twice now, I was on her podcast, she's on mine, and talking to her two different times now, she knows what he's talk, she's talking about. And this is something that anybody can actually do. Anybody can be a property manager. Now, to be a good property manager, you have some skills, and obviously that's why I'm bringing on my expert today. But if you are a good property manager, your landlords are going to love you and you're going to get so much business. There are so many landlords out there that need good property managers. And my expert's going to show us how we can be fantastic property managers, make other people money and make money for us and provide great housing for people. And on top of that, be able to hire great employees 
to give them a job so that they can provide for themselves and their families with the jobs that we create. All right, let's bring on our fantastic expert on the show. Her name's Terry Shower. She's going to share with us how we can be a fantastic property manager. All right, here we go. Terry, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dustin. Let's do this. Man, I'm so excited to have you on. I was on your show. Everybody should definitely check out your podcast, which we'll talk about in a minute. But tell us a little bit about what you do to provide for yourself and your family without working that dead-end J-O-B. <laughs> so I kind of have two hats, and I'll start with the hat that I put on first. So basically, like I own a real estate practice, and that looks like uh, property management, and I have my broker's license. I do also do a little bit of coaching, but basically the first hat I wore was the property manager's hat. Um, and that kind of happened by accident. Um, when I was a student, I ended up living in like a student community that was a bit all over the place and lacked management. So I ended up like managing it kind of as um, not even I was it was unpaid, but basically I mean I didn't have to do any chores. So I ended up like managing the student community. And then once I realized that that was going well, then I actually um, changed cities, went to a different college, and got my dad to co-sign this lease on a big house and so actually back then like I was basically had no living expenses because I portioned out the house and rented the rooms to other people we call that now house hacking but that was kind of like my start as a property manager and then fast forward a few years and then I ended up opening my own company um, and basically doing that for other people because I had kind of a good business model that allowed me to um, kind of upsell some properties that were not in the best areas in my home city. That's terrific. So I just got to say, I love good property managers. Like they make my world so carefree and easy. Like I literally don't do a thing because they take care of everything for me. Now there are very bad property managers on top of that too, but I love my property managers. I take my time to hire them well. I make sure that they're going to run my business. And then I love not talking to them and making money with them doing all the work. I just, I love it. So that's awesome. Now, it sounds like you did you have a job before that, like something that you were working a career? Because it sounds like you worked your way into this. But at the same time, you also got to make money. So talk to us a little about your backstory getting into where you are. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of had a funny trajectory in that I um, studied for a really long time. And so I did all the way up to PhD, which basically took me till I was 30. Um, and so basically like, you know, the way it works, I'm not sure if it works that way in the States, but in Canada, like our government, if you have good, like an inst interesting research project, they will basically pay you to go to school. They'll pay you to do your PhD. Um, and so basically like I had a, a, a job like as a PhD student for five years. So 25 did my master's degree, which was like mom and dad were still paying. And then instead of going out and getting a job like everyone else does, I went out and got a job as a, a PhD student. That's interesting because you're still, yeah, obviously you're working, but it's a little different nuance. You don't have like a, you know, a boss There's and no anything boss. like that. Yeah. yeah. So with that though, it, you could stay in there forever. I mean, it seems like you potentially could if you really wanted to, if you want to keep getting your PhDs, more PhDs, uh, but going that route, instead of doing that, you went ahead and said, I'm going to start mm -hmm. my own business. Yeah. I'm going to go this route. Talk to us about yeah. how that happened. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the parallel with academia and like doing a PhD is you got to think of it a little bit like a government job. And that's ultimately where you end up. Like you finish a PhD and like I did complete my PhD. And then the next step for me would have been to be a professor, like a university professor. And what did not appeal to me about that and where I had my sort of crisis moment was I realized that like a job basically for the government, like wasn't my thing. Like I realized that there was a lot of 
infighting. There's not so much pressure in the sense that like the boss is going to give you pressure and long hours, but it's more like it's very political academia. And what I saw, you know, as my side hustle progressed as a, as a property manager in real estate is that I just really loved the kind of wild west aspect of that is that, you know, the sky's the limit. If you have good systems, you can kind of go as fast as you want. And like one of my frustrations with academia is just like everything is so slow and like so inefficient and it just makes no bloody sense, you know? So it's not like one of these like high pressure jobs where like you feel like they're they're squeezing the last drop out of you, but it's more that like I just didn't see myself evolving for 30 years in this like super... I don't know, like we have this great word in French. I'm not sure what it is in English, but like fonctionnaire, like this like unionized kind of government workplace. I was like, no, like I'm not going to spend 30 years of my life in there. I wouldn't say we have a word for it, but it sounds like horrible. And that, that's really what it comes down to. I literally, I, you, you remember my story. So I worked at the government as well. Hated it. Like I am not a government employee, but I did because I thought that was what I needed to do. I felt like a caged tiger. Like I had to get out. Like I couldn't, oh, it was horrible. So I agree with you on that. Now, I want to jump into, because you're an investor as well as a property manager. The first question that I want to ask you is, so when I'm coaching students on how to invest in real estate, I get students to say, hey, Dustin, I found a realtor who also, and so in the States, we have realtors that they are the ones that, you know, do the buy and sell. But this realtor also is a property manager. That's great. And I say, well, that's, that could be good, but I potentially see it more of a negative. And this is the way I see the differences. And I want to ask, get your opinion, What since you're a property manager. So the difference between a property manager and a realtor is a realtor, they're with a property and a person buying the property for maybe, let's say, a week, a month, two months, or until they actually sell the property, then they sell it and then they move on. They're going on to the next deal. It's a different personality than a property manager. A property manager holds on to these properties. They make sure that you're their, their landlord, their customer is, is completely taken care of month after month, year after year, different personalities. I'll give you a, a quick example of what that personality would be. It would be like a police officer goes out and catches the bad guys and then puts them away in the jail. And then the people in the jail have to keep them. So try to get a police officer to, to hang out in the jail for more than like a couple hours. They, they, they go nuts. They have to leave. That's like the realtor. The officers are the ones that have the patience. They are the ones that have the diligence to go day in and day out. It's obviously a very, very uh, dramatic ex- uh, example between the two. But that's what I liken it to. Is like It's just different personalities. Not say one's good or bad, but that's what I'm thinking. So I love having a property manager who loves protecting, protecting my assets, my properties, and taking care of my tenants. What are your thoughts? Am I completely off base and all that? I mean, I think if you're taking sort of the car- the caricatural, um, the caricatures of like those two personality types, I don't think you're wrong. Okay. Um, I do think that they're like stereotypically a property manager, like, you know, as someone with a fair bit of patience who like knows the laws well, and, you know, the realtor, like typical, like, you know, head on a sign post, like scream louder than everybody else salesperson. Now, I don't work with realtors like that. And I'm not a realtor like that. And what I would say is I think um, that can that it can work to wear those two hats if you're a property manager first and a realtor second. So I'll explain to you, like, basically, I have a small portfolio of like clients whose stuff I look after. And because I know the market very well, I'm able to cherry pick you know, and I'm always looking, I always have my eyes open. And I also see when there are opportunities and I know this property is right for this client. This property is right for this client. And 
you know, I'm, I don't do 150 sales a year. I do maybe like five to 10 sales a year, but basically those are things that my clients then acquire and keep for a long time. And it makes sense with their portfolio. And I would say, you know, generally like realtors who either are investors or who work with investors, you don't want to get confused between what their market segment is. Right. And if they also do some property management, like as well, um, I don't think that should be a necessary a no go, but I think that for sure it's it's it not correct to say that like you know the the slimy caricature of like the, the the loud realtor is necessarily the person you want in your corner because I'll I'll say like even on my own transactions I don't represent myself so I work with the realtor and he has like maybe. 10 clients who are investors like me who are super active and he does most of his business volume with us, but it's because he's like very pleasant and not kind of a loud salesy. And I want to pause for a quick second and share that honestly, I really want you to invest in real estate. My new goal in my life, my first goal was to quit my job in 10 years. And I did that, accomplished that at 37. Now my new goal is to help 1 million people invest in real estate. So two things I would ask from you. Number one, if you get anything out of this episode, please share it with somebody else. Just say, hey, you know, check out Dustin. He really wants to help a million people to invest in real estate. That's number one. Number two, I want to get you to invest in real estate get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my course, show you how to find the area of the country to invest, how to build the business first. You know, I always talk about that and how to find the right properties, how to make sure you're getting experts to do the work for you and scale the business to where you're making $250 or more in passive income, scale it to quit your job, I'll literally get to you or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Obviously, it'll be in the description, but I really, really want you to invest in real estate because the more that actual normal everyday people own real estate that are good landlords, the better everybody's life gets. Cop, let's bust the bad guys kind of guy. <laughs> so I completely agree with you. So when, I, when I'm coaching my students, I'm not, I'm not saying don't. Like, I'm not saying, I, like, this is wrong. You don't do that. What I'm saying, just understand the perspective. And so understand as I have as an investor, my experience has been X, Y, and Z. And so I'm painting out the picture and they're going to move forward with how they want to move forward with somebody or not. And so with the, and you, I think you hit it really, really well. I like working with property managers who happen to be realtors as well, as opposed to realtors who happen to be property managers. And you know what? I have seen that and I've not never seen it go well. Like here we see the pattern we often see is like realtors who like take rentals and it's like, they feel sometimes like they have clients that have vacant units and they get guilted into listing with them, or they're looking to pick up like, you know, a small commission somewhere. And I like, that never really goes that well. Like if you want a realtor to rent your units, like work with someone who only does rentals or work with a property manager, don't get someone who like has that on the side because the commission's so small, like it's not going to really be interesting to them. And, and it's a different business model, you know? And like, I, I talk about this with my realtor colleagues because they don't even want to take on the rentals. Like I have a team that's set up for that. I have a rental agent. And so for us to add one more rental in there, it's okay photographer, okay, marketplace, boom, boom, boom. How are we fitting that into our rotation? Cause somebody's opening doors every day. Whereas like a realtor who like has their own business, like, do you think they're going to go open the door for a thousand dollar rental when they can go open, open the door for a $500,000 house? Like it's not realistic. That's a fantastic point and hundred percent agree with you. Now let's talk about the business model of being a property manager. Now, obviously when you're getting started, you're going to be one person and try to get other people to 
pick you as a property manager. If we want to get started, and let's say we don't have any of our own properties, because it would be easy to say, I have 10 of my own properties. I manage my own property, so I'm a property manager. Let me take on other ones. Let's say we're not even doing that. Let's just say somebody says, you know what? I really love real estate, and I want to get into getting rentals myself. What about making money as a property manager? How do we even just get in? Do we have to become a realtor? Do we have to learn the laws? Do we have to you know, take classes? What are your thoughts on getting started? Well, look, I don't want to, um, you know, I can tell you what the laws are in Canada, which is basically if tomorrow you want to say you're a property manager, you're a property manager. Um, I did actually, so I'll tell you how I got into it because I think this is kind of an interesting story. So I finished my PhD when I was 30, 31 and decided, okay, academia is not for me. I want to do real estate. And I didn't right away go and start my own business because I felt like I didn't know enough about business to do that. And, you know, whatever I do competitive sport, I got an opportunity to go and um, actually kickbox semi-professionally in France, but I needed a day job. And so my day job was to work in a property management company. And my goal was I'm going to do that for two, three years, and then I'm going to open my own company. And so basically that's the only like real job I ever had was I figured like, if I'm going to you know, learn this, I'm going to go to school, someone's going to pay me to learn how to open my own business one day. And so that's what I did. I worked in a, you know, a small property management company for three years in France with the idea that I would just cookie cutter that firm after. And so like, I would recommend that anybody who wants to do that, like go and get yourself two years experience, pick the business that you want to own and go work in it for two years and like be just a total go-getter to learn everything you can and then go ahead and open it. Like that's the best. If then afterwards you need to go do like a bookkeeping course or like something to get you that knowledge that you're missing um, by all means do that. I actually, you know, wrote the real estate exam while I was working for that company. So, because I kind of had this strategy that that's where I wanted to go. So like, that would really be my recommendation is, but if someone wants to get into property management, like go work for somebody for two years. And like the great thing about that field is it's really not rocket science. So it's not like you need formal education. Like if you have a little bit of get up and go and, you know, you can sell your enthusiasm and your organizational skills, like every assistant I've hired had no background. They just had a personality that like convinced me that like, okay, they're going to be good at this job because they have minimum office skills and like they are awake. I think you're 100% right. In fact, I would say for everybody listening, what you, Terry, you just told everybody is not just if you want to be a property manager, do this. It's literally for anything that you want to do. And there's a wonderful book. Hopefully a lot of people have read it. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. With that book, he talks about working to learn. The poor people, we work to make money. That's what we do. We just, ah, oh, we go to work. We get paid for it. We work an hour. We get paid for that hour. We work to make money. We as rich people do not do that. We work to learn. In fact, so I, there's a, a term. I love the term successfully unemployed. It sounds a little more positive, like this is the direction that I wanted to go. There's also another term called unemployable that I've heard other people say, oh, I like your shirt. You know, hey, successfully unemployed. But I, 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 hey, I'm unemployable. I think personally, I'm not unemployable. In fact, I would literally pay Warren Buffett to work at his company. I literally would pay him money so that I could be around him to get his knowledge, his wisdom, uh, his contacts, his networks, just even being in his sphere of influence. I'm like, that would be so worth so much more than me getting paid any money. So all that to say, I love what you said. We want to work to learn. So if you're going to do anything in life, 
learn from somebody who is very successful first and just offer your time. Say, hey, can I work for you for free? I'll do what you need. And then, because I've got, actually get a few people ask me this uh, same question. Hey, can I work for you for free? And eventually I start paying them because they're doing such a great job. And so it's like, oh, there's no risk to bring you on other than maybe you make me look bad, but I'll figure that out as soon as I get there. But then eventually they learn and they go off on their own. So I love that. Now, do you, anything else to add? Because I do want to move on to what is, once we do have that idea of starting a property manager. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe if I can just sort of footnote what you said, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think if I could go back and give myself some advice from when I started, it's precisely that is to realize the importance of being around people who've got stuff figured out. And I think that like, you know, if I look back at, you know, maybe some of the insecurities that I had when I started or some of the fears that I had, it's like, I purposely didn't seek those people out because I felt like it was going to make me look stupid. Or if I did happen to meet someone who knew more than me, I like wouldn't share my concerns or I would like, you know, be around them and then quickly try to get away before they figure out that I'm an imposter. But like, that's the complete wrong thing to do. You know, it's like, if you just make it okay, that you don't know everything and then make it your purpose to surround yourself with people who are like, that much further ahead. I think that's like really paid or not paid. I think, I think I wish I'd have started that earlier. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. I love learning from other people's mistakes. In fact, there's a saying that a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from other people's mistakes, which is the right way to go. Okay. So let's say we've figured out, we understand now, like we've learned how to do a property management company, how to start doing it. How do we find our, because we need marketing, we need clients, we need people to pay us. So how do we find our first client? I'm going to say some things that are kind of hackneyed, but I think, you know, the first step is to just go and tell everybody you're a property manager. And like, basically I just, you know, went on Facebook, went on back then it was Facebook, right? Cause I started this like whatever, you know, I guess 12, 12, 10, 12 years ago. Um, and that was the only social media. And then I went on there and just like changed my social media footprint to be all about real estate. And so then I had like all these people from my network who started then contacting me and being like, oh, Terry, I think you're the person that I should talk to for this. Or like, let's say, you know, I'm super, was active in the sports community. So then at the gym, I would like mention to everybody, oh, I, you know, I do this now. And then slowly the questions start coming. So, I mean, that was like one aspect was like the kind of the personal network. Um, I think then, then I did do my share of cold calling. I, I hated the phone. But basically, like I responded to a lot of rental ads and I've seen this um, as a kind of a successful way for people who want to start like property management is with rentals. And so if you're able to go after the rental business, a lot of owners are like frustrated with showing their own units. They're stressed out because they can't rent them. If you just be like, look, try with me. If I find you someone, pay me. If I don't find you someone, you didn't lose anything. And so I kind of like entered into this relationship with those property owners with this idea that I was going to build a network of property owners. And then that turned into some sales that turned into some long-term contracts. They weren't always the best contracts, but it definitely like kind of started the machine. Like it poured some gas into the machine so that the thing could get rolling. The other thing, which, and I think this is like maybe a less mentioned kind of a strategy is I joined um, a BNI group, which is Business Networking International. And I really can't say enough good about that experience. Um, so basically these are like neighborhood groups where a group of professionals gets together for like a breakfast once a week. And it's like referral marketing. So basically like the goal of the group is you refer business to the other professionals. And like usually the networking group will be structured around something. So like I tried to find a real estate heavy group and I joined a group with like 
I had the property manager's hat because you can only have one professional with each hat. So there was a broker, like a mortgage broker. There was a real estate broker. There was a notary. There was a, an accountant. And like, basically like, first of all, the connections were great. The business that I got from it was great. But the most important thing was to understand how to do business development. And like, I mean, BNI, like I did it for, I only did it for like two years, but they have a methodology that they teach you of like how to do business networking. And then I really, after that, didn't feel shy of just sitting down and having meetings with everybody who has a similar client base as me. So if I want to be a property manager, who has a similar client base, the notary, the real estate agent, the mortgage broker, all of them service people that I want to talk to. And so it then becomes, okay, like I'm going to tap into your network. You can tap into my network. And like, I then started doing that in a premeditated way. So like when I would meet, you know, a mortgage broker that I felt good about, like I felt like he had, you know, good ethics and, and was somebody that I wanted to refer people to, I'd just go out to lunch and be like, okay, I'm looking for this, this, this kind of client. Can you put me in touch with anyone? And who can I put you in touch with? Because like, I can open you know, my contact list to you, just tell me what you're looking like. And then if we can get five intros out of it, then we're, we're good to go. These are fantastic, really fantastic ways to actually build just about any business. If you take the ideas, the general ideas and networking is by far one of the best things you can do for any business and also for your own personal development. It's actually a skill that you have to develop. And I know like, obviously, me being an extrovert, it's much easier for me. I go up, hey, what's up, everybody? And if you're an introvert, it's going to be harder. But you need, there you go. You need to make yourself do it. Because when you do, the whole world opens up. You're like, oh, my goodness. Like, these people, they're, I thought it was going to be scarier. I thought I'd look foolish. But no, when you're actually helping each other out, everything gets better and better and better. Yeah, no, Dustin, it's, that's so true. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I think for me, like I, I now I'm not shy. I used to be very shy and I'm also an introvert. So, you know, those two things feed off each other because if you're an introvert, you kind of don't need other people. So then like your shyness compounds and then you, you're kind of socially awkward. And like, for me, networking was my nightmare. And I think it's because I understood it as like either a sales call or the high school dance where like, I need to be popular. I need to like be cooler than everyone else. And then what this like, you know, BNI thing did for me is it made me understand that there's a science behind that. And I don't need to go to cocktail parties and like talk to 17 people like to feel good about my day. It's not about that. It's I need to talk, talk to one person and build a mutually profitable build business relationship with that person. That's networking. And there's this a very like kind of scientific way of doing it, of like touching those people who can help you grow your business and not in like a grubby pay attention to me kind of a way, but in a like, let me help you. And if you can help me, great. And it's kind of a natural thing that like, by the time I've connected you with three potential clients, you're going to feel like, man, I need a, like the, the, you know, the, uh, the elevator needs to go the other direction. And I better send Terry some business because she's been working for me. You're giving us so much, like I brought you on to talk about property management. You're giving us yeah. so much more <laughs> outside of just property management, because if anybody takes this and applies like what you're saying in the principles to any yes. business, yes. it's really going to help your business overall. Okay. So here's a problem that I find with property managers is a lot of them are horrible. <laughs> a lot of them, ah, they don't do a good it's job. True. So it's true. how do you, let's start with, how do you find the right property managers that aren't horrible? And then we'll talk about how do you yeah. continue? Sorry. No, I don't want to take it from a perspective of an investor finding a property manager. 
when an investor is coming to you and wanting to work with you, how do you prove to them in just the interviews and the, the mm-hmm. talking, how do you prove them that you're not horrible? And then we'll talk about how do you keep them as your customers? Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good question. And as you were asking it, I was like, oh, geez, I hope he doesn't ask me like how to find a good property manager because, you know, I think... Um, so I do actually have property managers that work for me because I invest outside of uh, my home city, which is Montreal. Um, and so I, you know, I have relationships with those people and went through the headache of having to interview them. But I feel like because I run that business, I like know exactly what questions to ask. I want to know how they're structured. I want to know, like, do you have someone doing accounting? What uh, software you're using? How do you handle these particular, you know, situations? So like, I feel like it's, that's not, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to kind of give you a systemic answer. And I've now forgot the question you asked me. So just remind me the well, question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you were going down the right path. And so yeah. it's not how an investor finds the right property manager. Oh, how it's do I as, convince people? Yeah. Yes. How do you make sure that you come across as knowledgeable? Like, this is what I'm looking for as an investor. Yeah. Knowledgeable, yeah. trustworthy. Can you communicate well enough that I'm, you're going to get back to me that can trust you and you have the experience? with references, like that's what I'm looking for. How do you prove yeah. that to the person that you're, uh, that's actually hoping to get you as your property manager? You know, there's there's two um, time separated um, data points in there, right? Like I think today when I have conversations with potential clients, like my, my portfolio is actually closed and people like ask me, I wish that I wish you would take me on, you know? And when we do, I do have those discovery calls. Like I've been working in that field for, you know, I guess it's been 20 years. So like, I kind of know exactly what to say, right? If they want to know how you're going to rent my units, well, then I can say, okay, I've rented this many similar units. Here are the questions we ask. Here are the problems we have. Um, Same thing with management. Like often someone will come and see me. It's because their property is poorly managed. And so they will bring me a bunch of problems. And then I'll be like, okay, this, 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 this is how you solve the problem. Um, you know, like if I'm going to take command of things, this is how my payment system works. This is how everything works. And I think people respond to that, like take charge, very organized way that shows that I've anticipated everything. Um, that's today. Right. And after with 20 years experience, but when I was like building my client list initially, and like the only property I had under management was my one triplex, right? (laughs) Like it's a different conversation. And I think that there's like an aspect of, you know, fake it till you make it. Um, but also just to have them like trust you as a person, you know, and I think that those first clients that I took on, like maybe I did make some beginners mistakes, but I really like managed their properties as if they were my properties. And I think that was the the thing that I put out there from the beginning that ended up working, you know, and it's like really this very strong feeling of take responsibility, be authentic and be honest, you know, and I think like, I don't, I don't know exactly how to screen for honesty, but I think it's something you can kind of feel with people. Like I, you know, I get the feeling and there's a saying also, um, my husband is Algerian. So they have like a saying in Arabic, which says, follow the liar to his house, which means if you want to see a dishonest person, just observe them long enough until they lead you somewhere (laughs) that's going to show that they're lying. And so the more you can prolong the process of getting into a relationship with someone, a business relationship, whatever it is, I think the more you're going to see what kind of an animal you're really dealing with. 
I love that idea because I do that, or at least I teach that and do that with myself is I interview property managers multiple times, not just one phone call. And it's not over text, you know, so I absolutely make sure that I'm really getting to know my property manager, a potential property manager. And you also said something earlier that keys into this really, really well, because if you want to be a property manager and or literally any business, if you want to do something and you have no clue how to say the right lingo, like the right words to say. And when somebody gives you a word, you know, like, like vacancy factor, like what is vacancy factor? Like, if you don't know what that is, then I'm not going to really trust that you're actually good property manager. But when you said go back and if you go back and listen, what you said was you need to be around the people that are experts and work for them for a year, two years and really understand it. Once you do, you're going to have that in the back of your brain, you'll be able to move forward with it. So here's one thing that is I am a stickler. And this is what I tell all my students is when you're investing and you're finding a property manager and you're trying to call up property managers and they're not calling you back before they have your business. Bad news. Imagine, so yeah, if they don't call you back when they don't have your business, imagine when they actually have your money and like, oh, this guy again, I'm not gonna <laughs> hang up on you. That's bad. So you definitely need to make sure that they're, they're very, they have good communication skills. That's like the trustworthiness, communication skills, and experience. Those are like the, the top three. If they don't have those, I'm like, you're out. So as we're building our business, let's say we have a couple of clients. How do we make sure we don't become a horrible property manager? It, that's about systems and it's about knowing what you can take on at what time, right? And like I had phases in my career where I grew too fast and I was pulling my hair out, right? Like I didn't have the team built. I didn't have the systems built. And so like, you know, I had this one incident when it was like Christmas and the furnace went out in a 24 unit building that I was managing furnace and hot water. So now I've got 24 families about to celebrate Christmas with no heat in minus 20 in Montreal, no hot water. And they've got to prepare Christmas dinner. Like it was not a good situation. So like, that was my Christmas. I was like there in the building trying to get the the heat back on. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that's a, a question of like making sure that you have the systems in place that allow you to scale and really keep your eye on the balls that are important. And again, you know, in terms of copying business models, like if you want to understand how to do it successfully, like look at the business model that people are running who are one or two steps ahead of you. And it might be that you're not going to be able to scale with the way that you're dividing up tasks. Um, one of the big uh, eye openers for me was also the book. I don't know if you know the book, uh, The E-Myth which is the entrepreneur myth. And man did, that, man, did that open my eyes because like definitely the way I was running things was exactly what the author says not to do, which is just basically have a bunch of clones, right? Like you don't divide up the work properly. You just make it that I'm going to try to hire two more Terry's. And as a result, we're all going to be able to do three times as much work, but that that's actually not how it works. You need to really like break up each aspect of your business into a digestible piece, maybe do the job yourself for a bit write procedures, have it very clear, and then hand it off to somebody who has the minimum level of skill that they need to do that job. And I think that's like very good advice. Like if you need a low level bookkeeper, make sure that like that little bookkeeping job is like there, there's a box around it, give it to the person, you understand what they're doing enough to be able to take it back if ever something goes wrong. And I think that's another big thing is that in terms of like, for me, like understanding the different roles, I definitely got caught out with this, especially with accounting, where I didn't have the knowledge to take over the admin from the person who was doing it. So at one point, and then I forced myself to do it for a year. And then now I know. <laughs> 
Man, Terry, this is, so if anybody listening to this, obviously this is geared towards property management, but you're giving us business sense because really what you're doing is you are running a business that you have customers and you have a product that you need to take care of. And that's really what it comes down to, even though it's a service-based business, but we need to make sure that we're actually, as business owners, we're taking care of our customers. So I'm going to give you a question. I'm pretty sure you're going to answer it right, but I'll, from my perspective, I'll give you my answer. But who is your ultimate customer as a property manager? That's a good question. Um, my ultimate, and, and I know what you're going to say, and I'm not going to tell you why not. <laughs> no, my ultimate customer is, is my, uh, my property owner, is my investors. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with that. So I, I agree. Now the tenants are the landlord's customers. I was worried. <laughs> Some people say, oh, the tenants are the clients. And I'm like, no, no, the tenants are not the clients. They are the tenants. <laughs> Absolutely. They're not, so, a, not a customer. <laughs> I love it. I see yeah. that this is why I because when I was on your podcast, like I was like, man, I Terry Terry gets it. Like we 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 see eye to eye on lots of stuff. So flesh that out a little bit as a yeah. property manager. How do you make sure you keep that focus right? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know this is a, it, this is a I'm gonna give you a context based answer. Uh, I should say that like you got to think about Montreal as like if this is California in terms of like tenant protections, we're like here. Right. So basically like a landlord. Wait, wait, wait. Like worse, worse than California. Like worse, like so oh, much worse. Than no, just, just, I'm going to tell you three things you're going to understand. There's no damage deposit. Damage deposits are illegal. A landlord can never end a lease. Like I can never not, at least renews automatically. I cannot terminate a lease. The only reason I can terminate is to evict oh for goodness. non-payment. No, no, it's crazy. Um, and then, well, that's pretty much it. And we have like a rental board, which like all of these things have to go through the rental board. So basically, like <laughs> I would say 70% of tenant relationships are a handcuff situation. It's like you're stuck with people who like you don't necessarily, they would really not be your first choice as tenants. And if the relationship ever goes sour, you as the landlord have no option of ending it. So like, we're really in my market, we are like really not in an environment where uh, the tenant can be mapped onto a consumer or a customer. I think in, you know, places that are less tenant friendly, like maybe that thought process works a little bit more, but in my market, it's certainly not the case. So it's more like, how do we legally respect our obligations uh, while not letting them go overboard? Because the thing is the tenants have so much power here that usually they have crazy demands oh and rent control we also have like very very strict rent control so like obviously they're not writing like they're not writing the checks so they want gold toilets and they get two dollars increase a year so <laughs> anyway <laughs> my goodness wow okay so is it just in that area or is it all of canada so all of canada is about on the level with california pretty much except for maybe alberta but we're like even more like the rest of Canada is allowed damage deposits and they're allowed to terminate leases. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I personally stay away from states that aren't landlord friendly. I mean, if you take care of my property, I'm going to take care of you. If you are not taking care of my property, you're going to get out. Like it's, it's just seems like that's the right way to like, we both hold up our end of, of the bargain. If I'm not taking care of the property, then there's some repercussions on me. All that to say, Man, that's that's I, I like investing where state in states that actually help 
both sides in a sense. Like I don't want to be hamstrung. So, man, this is great. Now, Terry, is there what else? Like any other wisdom or any insights as far as if we're going to be a property manager? It could also just be business in general. And I loved how you took the idea of not being a bad property manager as opposed to or uh, in in a direction of scaling. How you need to be able to scale right. If you can't scale, things are going to fall. Fall like all those balls are you're juggling are going to drop. But any other wisdom that you can give us? Business wise, I mean. So I just wrote a book called The Mindful Landlord, um, which is really talking about, um, you know, kind of the more mental aspects of investing and building a business, basically. And I know there's a lot of people who, you know, like positive affirmations and, you know, this kind of like raw, raw, raw business mindset. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about, you know, optimizing your mind for performance and keeping an eye on your well-being. And I think if I would, you know, place kind of a little asterisk uh, and give people some advice is it's really important as you're either investing or building a business to not lose sight of why you started things in the first place. Because I think a lot of people, once they decide to take the plunge into business or into investing, they have a lot of stress, they feel a lot of pressure, and that that just translates into like being in a different rat race. And the whole point is you stopped working a J-O-B to get out of the rat race, don't let whatever you do afterwards become another rat race. And that is up here because there's no boss driving you. It's you driving you. And in that case, you really have to be aligned and set boundaries. You know, like for me, um, I struggled sometimes with like the you know work-life balance of my family life. And, you know, I have a small kid. And so, you know, how much am I spending mom time building my business when like, ultimately, like, that's just, heart wise, not what, what I want to do. And so, you know, like, I think there, I think every, you know, young parent goes through that, but that it's a question of like deciding, like, when am I going to put my pedal to the metal because I can allow something there to get out of balance. And like, when is it more important to like, no, I'm going to make a bit less money. I'm going to grow a bit less fast, but like, I'm going to teach my kid how to ride a bike, you know? So. I love it. I love it. So we definitely, we'll definitely make sure we put all those, those links inside the show notes, but how can people find you? How can people reach out to you and listen to your podcast? Cause I know people like, I'm like, man, this is so, such good information. We want to get more. So tell us how we can find you. Basically. Um, I have a website, terryshower.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably my social media of choice. And, um, my book mindful landlord is available on Amazon, or I also have a webpage where you can learn more about it. Purchase the book mindfullandlord.com. Thank you so much, Terry. And you guys need to check out her podcast. I was on there as well. Really, really great information. So you guys can tell that Terry and I see eye to eye on lots of stuff. So Terry, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Dustin. It was great. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L 
833-733-7777 so you can see how you can quit your job, that J-O-B, by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successful unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successful Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya. Yeah.